why are women risk averse in the in the first place? Why is that? Because we're taught so at school. And I was thinking about my daughter very much tonight. I was thinking I need to go home and really show her that everything is possible for a girl as as well as for a boy and that's really the future. I think that if you look at the women in general, we live longer, we are good at working, but we don't give them the possibility. Isn't that strange? This is the first episode of Swedish Brains, the podcast about Swedish personalities, priorities and values, brought to you by the Swedish Embassy in the Netherlands. Produced by Captains, digital media and creative production agency. This first episode is focusing on technology and innovation, recorded at our launch of what we call TechBridge, a series of meetings to increase the knowledge about Sweden and the Netherlands as two of the world leaders in the tech sector. This time, TechBridge focuses on the position of women in the tech industry, both in Sweden and in the Netherlands. This episode will bring you up to speed in half an hour. I I know this, of course, but it's always surprising to me that we have so much more to do. Welcome to Swedish Brains. So much. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, your excellencies, a warm welcome to Epicenter. Uh, we're very proud today to be hosting actually the first ever tech bridge together here. And you are the first participants of this lovely initiative. I'm Patrick Masserton, and I'm the CEO and founder of Epicenter. And Epicenter is all about finding new ways to collaborate, teach and learn. So we're very, very proud to have you all here today. This edition of TechBridge is all about celebrating women and women in tech, and by increasing understanding, asking the questions, and looking into the opportunities of how we can increase inclusion and how we can, in a better way, learn from each other so we create more opportunities for women in tech. Women in tech, what are the numbers? Not so great. In the Nordic countries, less than 1% of all venture capital goes to women entrepreneur companies. And in Stockholm, there's less than 20% working as programmers in tech. And knowing the fact that consumers are as many women as men, we think it's super important that women also become part of this movement to build sustainable and good companies and create fantastic products, as they are as important consumers as everyone else. So this is definitely something that we need to change. And that's also why we're here today to discuss this together with you. Yeah, today we will talk about women in tech and we will hear about it from 10 inspiring thought leaders across three panels. And the subjects are how can we change the patterns of investors? The second panel will be about how can we encourage more girls to choose technical studies? And the third panel will be about the woman in the tech landscape in Sweden and the Netherlands. What are the challenges? Co-moderator Meerte Hoijmans works for techleap.nl the Dutch government initiative aiming to build the best ecosystem for innovative entrepreneurs in Europe. Looking at the numbers, it seems there's only men dwelling in that ecosystem right now, at least in the Netherlands. You already mentioned the data about Sweden. Let's talk about the Netherlands. 94% of all investment money goes to all male founding teams. And only 1.0% of all investment money goes to all female founding teams. 
And on the other side, 60% of all VC firms invest in mixed and female-founded teams, only 60%. And their rounds are 46% smaller. And the last number I want to share is that 87% uh, of all in the Netherlands-based VC firms have zero women investors. Zero. Zero. That's why this movement is so important. So I hope that we together can start something to uh, offset this trend and change it. Yeah. So with that, let's call the first panelist up on stage. I would first like to introduce Tamara Obradov from the VC fund uh, Tablomondo, and then Elena Köstler from Niluk, and then uh, finally also <laughs> Myrta Hoymans who's here, who is also an expert on this case. Please take a seat in the, in the sofa. So does it work? Yes. So here we have two mics that we're going to pass around a little bit. So I'd start by giving them to you so you guys... The first question this afternoon is about financing. Where does the money go? The panelists agree. There are way too few women involved in the process of funding and getting funded. Women don't ask for money, and when they do, they are not taken seriously. Elena, you're a female founder yourself. What sort of your experience? Have you raised capital? Have you been out in the market? And so we have done both angels and VCs right now. The feedback that we always get is beautiful idea, amazing concept. You have, um, you have your prototype ready. It's already being used. You have users, but you need a man in your team. You need a man in your CTO, as a CTO, for example. And, so you um, get those type of uh, comments when you talk about your business plan and ideas? I do. I yeah. do. I had the comment from an angel. Um, do you even know that you have a software startup? I'm like, well, <laughs> thanks for telling me. So, uh, I mean, and that really makes you laugh. And yeah. it also makes you but laugh. But also sad, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and but I do tend to get these comments less from younger generations. Mm. So I do see patterns in how older um, angels or investors um, mm. talk to us. Mm. Uh, younger investors are not talking to us in that way mm. anymore. Elena Kustler is currently trying to get funding for Neelik, an app that nudges you to go out and meet other people offline to battle loneliness. She tells me. We're all trying to make the world a better place. And I chose one issue. And I'm, um, yeah, ba basically building it from scratch. Is it hard for a woman to get funding? Uh, yes, it is really hard. Also, depending on where you look, um, I think the first challenge for a female founder is to really understand which kind of funding do I need. Is it a governmental subsidy? Is it a research subsidy? Is it, um, is it a fund that I need to approach, a social impact venture? Do I need an angel? How is that different from what men have to um, get to or understand in the process? Yeah, um, there are different angles to this issue. Um, and I don't want to call it an issue. I would rather call it a challenge for our modern society. We have to look at women differently because we're evenly skilled as men, but we're still perceived different. Um, I think if you as a woman start to understand that you're as capable as men, 
then you're off to a good track. Um, in the end, how we present ourselves, how we stand there, which shoes we're wearing, how our voice sounds while we're pitching, the words that we use while we're pitching in front of investors has a great impact on how we're presenting ourselves and how we're therefore perceived from um, from investors. Um, you're, you're dressed now to perform, I guess. I mean, exactly, you exactly. Have, you, this you is wear, my lucky yeah. jacket. <laughs> your lucky jacket. It's blue velvet, <laughs> and it's soft, so you can kind of cuddle yourself. No, no, I'm joking. But um, but it's. I mean, it's it's true that these kind of details are very important. Yeah. So exactly. So how you present yourself is how you're perceived by the others, and therefore it directly impacts whether you will raise funding or not. But also, you need to know. What exactly do you need to say to investors to trigger their intention? Because their intention span is really short. The pitch deck has to be perfect. You really have to know your numbers as a founder. And um, there are many driven women who do exactly know what to say. But if you come across, non-verbally speaking, in your communication a little bit unsure, they will notice and they will judge you on that. Because in the end, they don't invest in your startup or in your idea, but in you as a person, as a founder. So women need to find their own testosterone in a way to be confident enough. That's a really nice conclusion. Well, yes, in the end, yes, we have to be proud. We have to brag more. And I mean, that, that are like the most common things about female entrepreneurs, but it's true. We have to be proud because the things that we're doing are amazing and we need every cent and we also deserve every, every penny uh, in the end. Back to the panel discussion. Is it only the female founders who need to man up a bit and learn to speak the right language to get funding? Investors also need to learn a new language, says Tamara Obradov of Tablomonto Venture Capital. Whereas in Sweden more and more VC companies are hiring women, in the Netherlands Obradov is one of only 10 female investors. So about a year ago we had our, um, we have once a year our autumn event. We invited all our portfolio companies, it was nine of them. We were in a room, 50 founders, and I was the only woman. That was the first moment that we, I talked to one of my partners, and I said, Rolf, when you look into the room, what do you notice? And he's like, yeah, you're the only woman. How did this happen? Right? So we are a diverse team, and we also selected only men entrepreneurs. Um, and that's when we consciously made an effort to change this. So we cut up the whole investment process. We started from marketing to the way we select companies, to the way we do due diligence, to the way we do ask questions, to the way we negotiate, to the way we help them and guide them. We had to change every single part of this funnel. Mm. Um, so we started at the beginning, marketing, and we went from 5% funnel leads that were mixed teams or female founders, and we increased that right now to 28%. Amazing. So, yeah, so we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. But we are 5x higher than mm. we were when we started. Mm. Uh, then we changed our selection criteria. We changed the way we ask questions and due diligences. We changed the way we negotiated. We changed a lot of these things. Like, for example, women tend to ask way less than men do. Mm. Every time we would get a proposal, it would be like, I need 200k. And we were like, how long do you think you're going to last with 200k? And they would be like, 24 months. And we were like... <laughs> you won't make it past six months, but mm. we needed to proactively help them think mm. this through and say, look, now you're gonna get venture money, so you need to scale faster, mm. so you need to increase your targets, so you need to spend more, so you actually need 
800K to get there. And I don't think it's a very normal thing to do in the industry. Myrte, you have been working both sort of on the governmental side, private side and things like that. Is there, is there a country that is sort of role model to you according to this, who's, who's come a lot further than us? Because obviously both Sweden and, and, and the Netherlands are, are still quite far behind. What's it like in the US, for instance? Is, is there a different ecosystem and understanding how to invest in female uh, entrepreneurs and founders? Or is it sort of similar to what we experience here? Yeah, the ecosystem is totally different for many reasons. And I think the topic is... Uh, already longer on the agenda, but mm-hmm. it's also more how to say in the Netherlands we we, we debate about it, and in America they fight about it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we see, and that's the chance. That, uh, the question: What do we want to, to have it in the Netherlands? Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a topic for years. Also in the Netherlands, it goes way back. Um, but actually, we we often look to Scandinavia mm-hmm. to see not only on investments, but how do women act in those ecosystems, mm-hmm. in the workforce. What do they do different, even mm-hmm. in Belgium and mm-hmm. other different countries? So every country has its own challenges, but mm-hmm. I think that the, the baseline is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. We have a big struggle. And we see 50% of our own uh, group of people in a, in a country, we see them as a minority. That's mm-hmm. really strange. Mm-hmm. So it's also something in the mindset, not mm-hmm. only from men, but also from women. Mm-hmm. Where did it go wrong? When did we accept that we are a minority? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. Do we have uh, enough or a lack of role models in the economy here, you know, around uh, VC funding for females? Because I think like looking into a market like Sweden, where I think why the tech community has been quite good, not to mention then women financing particularly, is the, is the way of giving back to the community that you come from. Most of the investors or, or company builders in Sweden, they have reinvested their profits and they continue building companies rather than seeking retirement on that nice Caribbean island. How is that here in the, you know, in the Netherlands? Are there, are there good female role models that have been successful building companies now supporting young entrepreneurs? Or do we need more of those? We need far more, more than from it. And they, they are, but even from men role, role models, investing again in the ecosystem, yeah. we have not too many of them. Uh, because in the Netherlands, we don't really accept big success. We think, now keep it for yourself and <laughs> go ahead. But we yeah. need those even in the tech scene, it's yeah. pretty young, and also in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So we need them from men, but definitely we need them from women. Role models, but also investors. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Also, also on the uh, technical universities, we need those mm-hmm. professors, the women, to show those girls. That it's, it's, it's also possible, yeah. Yeah. For women to make that choice and to inspire them even to become tech founders, we need to have those early stage um, role models as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. To show, yeah, it's scary, but mm. yeah, you can do it too. Mm. It's possible. I have done it. This mm. is what, what what will happen to you. This is what you will experience. You will have sleepless nights. Mm. That's completely normal. Mm. Uh, there's different ways to entrepreneurship, of course, in our both our economies and markets. I think we have a fairly well-built-out ba- social security system, which is very different in the U.S. maybe, where you have more uh, kamikaze entrepreneurs and, uh, for the lack of a better word, uh, call it more industry psychopaths like uh, Elon Musk and others that are radically going to change industries. And I think that looking into some of those successful unicorns, they have leaders that are, I would say, industry psychopaths. Do we need more of those also among women? Because I can't really right now, top of my head, think of one equivalent woman that sort of pushes the way that some of these others are doing. What's your view on that? 
Yeah, I do agree. I really do agree. And um, it has to be it has to be more accessible as well. Um, that information has to lie in front of you in order to really see it and to be inspired by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Holland, it's really hard to find it. Also in Germany or the Nordics, uh, I don't know. I, I I'm still looking. I'm still searching for someone that really... I can print out and hang up uh, at home and uh, pray to every day. <laughs> so I'm Annika Markovic and I'm the Swedish ambassador to the Netherlands. And uh, I'm the one who has, uh, you know, taken the initiative to have this tech bridge, building a bridge on women in tech between Sweden and the Netherlands and learning from each other the experiences that we have. Did something surprise you? Um, during the talk? Did something struck you as new to you? Um, new as solution? Maybe not. But some of the figures are actually appalling. And I, I know this, of course, but it's always surprising to me that we have so much more to do. No? I think that is... It's in one sense encouraging because we are here to talk about it, but it's also like despair. Despair, even despair. How can we? How can we? How can we really change this situation when two countries who are so much at the forefront, like Sweden and the Netherlands, um, still struggling on so many levels? But I think that that is also encouraging because that gives me, you know, the the, the, the encouragement to to really try to change this and not to give up. Well, not despairing to give up. No, exactly. Not despairing to give up, but despairing, despairing to, move to, to move forward and to really take leaps. There was a, there was an answer coming from the audience saying um, that that she knew she she understood why women um, didn't want to be. CEOs that that they're that they're doing well in Sweden, but they don't take the last leap to get to be on the top, the top yeah. Yeah. of things. And yeah. she said, "It's not just not fun. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah. wants to do it. Yeah. Is that true?" No, I completely disagree, because to me, it's much more fun to be the one on top, to be the one who can actually decide and set the course and to change things. It was much more difficult to be middle management because then you are squeezed. You are squeezed in between your bosses who want you to do things and achieve results and you are squeezed from below for those who want to come up and and do more and, and also to encourage them to do what you want. So middle manager is a much more tricky position so I encourage everyone to step up and to be the one on top because there you can decide. The second panel talks about education. In the Netherlands alone there were 77,000 vacancies to fill in the tech sector last year. How can we encourage girls to embrace tech. Let's kick this off. I have a question for Anne Håkansson, lecturer from the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. What does it look like in your school today? Is there an imbalance between female and male students? Uh, We have other subjects that have many more uh, females when it comes to percentage of the number of students, but not in our area. So it's up to 23%, sort of, 
and mm. it's been there for quite a while now. And unfortunately, we don't see that increasing at all. What do we do then, or what should we do to encourage girls to apply for these educations, but also really make a shift then? 23% is, of course, way too little. Well, first of all, I would say that have for more females in the staff, in the faculty, I think that would be a good thing. Because if you look at the number of professors at KTH, it's only 17%. From my own experience, uh, when I went to school in uh, in yeah, some 30 years ago, uh, actually, uh, as Anne was saying from the beginning, that nothing has really happened since then. Anna Gandol is head of mechanical systems at the Swedish car company Saab. In my class, we were 25% women, and that was regarded high at that time. Yeah. And then you were thinking, now something has started. Now we, we will get more women into into studies uh, science. But obviously nothing has happened, or not so much has happened since then. So the base uh, that, that we can, uh, let's say, uh, hire from is mm-hmm. around 20%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, there are other companies that has come to the same conclusion as us, that uh, they want to hire women. So we, we really we need to be good in in uh, showing that we are a good company for women. And uh, actually, it was realized already uh, in the beginning of the of the 2000 that we need to set goals. We need to set goals to have uh, more female into the companies, women, and also to have uh, uh, f- female managers. Because you were into saying role models are mm. important, mm. and I strongly believe that mm. we, we need to, to have role models. Mm. Uh, so there are many things in, 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 uh, in this subject. And uh, I also remember from the previous panel talking a lot about attitudes. And uh, we, we need to work with that both in society but also in the companies. Uh, we need to change the attitudes because... We, we kind of need to convince the girls already in in primary school even that uh, technology and science and engineering is, is interesting. Otherwise, it, it could be too late. But the numbers may be misleading, Thomas Windmüller says. He's the senior project leader of the technology-packed PTVT in the Netherlands. Nowadays, he points out everything involves technology. We should not look very um, straight to the numbers. Because when you look at the numbers, it's true. Also in the Netherlands, around 6% of mm-hmm. the of the average uh, uh, girls are um, uh, uh, doing a technical study. But um, these are not the, these numbers are not so 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 straight because um, tech is not only a very small uh, group uh, of numbers. Um, nowadays, when you work when you're building a house. You need an iPad, and you should learn at school that uh, in a few years that when you build a house, you have to use a lot of tech-based competence than uh, a few years ago. And what I want to say is that everything is tech. Tech is not only the the, the, the 55 tech companies here on the south us south us. Tech is much more. It, it's related to a lot of other subjects. To get girls interested, they not only need role models. The way society looks at technology itself also needs an update, 
says Nicole Henning. If you look back a decade, and the first thing you thought when you were thinking about a developer was a guy sitting in a basement with his headphones on and just coded for 12 hours in a row, that's not how it is nowadays. It's much more teamwork, collaboration, project management, and having your team. And I think that is also something that's uh, more attractive for, for women to, to get into this field. Nicole, you're the CMO of SALT, and together we launched an initiative last year in Stockholm called Epicenter Campus together with your company. Yeah, this is really taking on the future of education, according to me. Can you elaborate a little bit about what SALT is, what you're doing, and a little bit of the results that you have shown so far? Uh, that would be amazing. Yes, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, so we launched SALT about one and a half years ago in Stockholm. Uh, and SALT is a career program where you can become a professional developer in 13 weeks. Uh, so we have an accelerated program at Epicenter where we teach uh, programming in full-stack JavaScript because JavaScript is a code language that is very sorted in, in the tech industry right now. So what we try to do, if we compare it to the, to the um, universities, is that we try to adapt what, the, what does the market want right now and we can quick change our uh, curriculum that we have. And so what we have is um, a recruitment process that you apply to, and we get about 1,500 applicants for 30 seats three times per year. And everyone that comes to SALT uh, goes through this recruitment process with uh, logical tests, uh, personality tests, uh, phone interviews, group interviews, workshops, and then we accept 30 people to this program. And what we do during these uh, 13 weeks is that we drill these people to become professional, productive developers uh, after 13 weeks. And uh, the first year, we graduated about 100 developers in Stockholm. Uh, and uh, about 30% of them were women, which is very nice, uh, from 28 uh, different nationalities and with an age range from 19 to 38. Uh, so we are really proud of the diversity that we have, and that's something that we are aiming for here as well, because we just launched here in Amsterdam. Uh, so right now we have 45% women in the class that's starting in February. Yeah, it's amazing. And the cool thing with this thing is that it's, it's, it's really diverse. You could have been a taxi driver in Kabul, you could have been a housewife, you could have been the... 25-year-old son or daughter that you never thought would amount to anything, just playing games all the time, now gets a full-term career. And it's a paid education program where the business model is fantastic because it gives back in the sense so that you rent out these students the first year. So they quickly get the job, they also get paid and things like that. So this, I think, is an amazing, uh, amazing initiative to solve a problem in tech, but also to sort of to support the ecosystem. Okay. Yes, so we, we guarantee a job to everyone that actually passes the course. Um, and then they will start to work with the, one of our partner companies that we have. So I'm uh, Hannah Smith, I work at the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Policy. Um, I came because I'm, first of all, very interested in the topic and I believe it's a very important uh, topic uh, that we should discuss every day. <laughs> Me, myself, I'm now considering applying for uh, SALT. <laughs> it became uh, become a programmer. A couple of weeks ago we had the same discussion and really, I really started thinking about things. Okay, what if I have a daughter? 
I, how can I, I be a role model for her? Okay, I have a job, I have a full-time job, so that's that's one thing, but I have no idea in, of technology whatsoever. Okay, so what should I do? I should uh, become, I should follow a course on, on programming or whatever, just to have the knowledge and just to show her, my future possible daughter, that uh, this is also a topic for women and not only for men. So if I show her that I'm not interested in all these topics because they're typical male, uh, topics, then I I I fail. So but what if you are really not interested? It's not who who is not interested. I, I, it's difficult to be really not interested. It's just a, a topic that I don't know yet. Um, is it more important that you are going to be a role model than that you follow your own dreams? I think you can combine those two. The ideal world. Yes, yes you but. Can. I don't see. I don't see why following my own dreams would be in the way of uh, including more male topics into my life. Last but certainly not least, the government perspective. Panel number three with the ambassador of Sweden, Annika Markovic, Yvette van Eenhout of the Ministry of Economy and Climate in the Netherlands, and John Decker. Innovation Attaché at the Dutch Embassy in Stockholm. It's a bit of double being Dutch, seeing how stuff works in Sweden, because what I thought as well for, for with, with, with female and startups and tech, I thought the conditions in Sweden are excellent, because you got this maternity leave, I mean, you got the possibility to, to be at home, to take care of your family, it's different than here, right? In the Netherlands, it's almost used like an excuse, like, hey, you, you, as a female, you, you can't take time off because you have to take care of your family. Mm -hmm. So it's a different uh, atmosphere and different conditions. But that's not the case because the, the numbers are, uh, in both countries, very, very disappointing. Mm -hmm. So it must be something else. And, and one of the things I noticed when we had this, this lunch with VCs was as well that... Um, that they run into the same problems as, as what you guys are describing here. So it must be something else. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we should talk about a little bit about the, the, the elephant in the room, uh, I would say, and that is like, should the government really put a quote on it? Should we, as a government, say, now every time we do something, there is going to be 40% female, period, like they did in Norway, and they put very tough fines on it. If you don't have like 40% on your board, you, you will get seriously seriously penalized. So Maybe it's a good question for Yvette. What that, do that's you why think? I was giving it back. <laughs> um, me personally, I'm all for quota. Um, we had the discussion in the Netherlands for a long time. Uh, we discussed it also with uh, Nelly Cruz, who was dead against quota when she was uh, a bit younger. But she she saw that there's no progress. If you don't change the representation or the group, the culture is not going to change. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the social codes. It's all about the male-coded system, as far as I'm concerned. I, I work and you work in a very male-dominated environment. I'm a diplomat. You're a diplomat. It's a very male-dominated environment, in the Netherlands at least. If you don't have enough women to just alter the codes or the network a little bit, it's going to stay the same because the women adapt. Um, and I don't believe in women or men are completely different. There's nature, there's nurture, uh, there's conditioning, there's all kinds of psychological, biological 
aspects, but still the coding or the, the not, not the technical coding, but the social codes are male dominated uh, in many environments, of mm -hmm. course, not in schools uh, because it's very feminine. But so we need to change that to be able to be equal in terms of to be yourself, to be your personality instead of your gender. And that's really what I dream of, that at one point we will not have this discussion on whether diversity is being female or male, but it's being an extrovert or an introvert or a risk taker or a more conscientious person. So really making teams out of personalities and characteristics and skills than gender. But we're not there yet, so we first need to change the, the codes, I think. I think that what was said before about the need for role models is so important and we cannot really stress that, uh, you know, too much. Annika Markovic, the ambassador of Sweden to the Netherlands. And uh, I, I remember when I started my first job out of university, fresh, I was 25, I thought the world is open, you know, I can do anything and I don't need to have quotas because I'm just going to succeed on my own. And then I've grown into also completely supporting quotas because it's not changing fast enough. It's just not changing fast enough. And I remember the debate in Norway with this uh, putting quotas of women in, in the boards. The discussion before that measure was introduced was like, Oh, it's never going to work, it's never going to work, it's never going to work. And then it was introduced, and now no one talks about it. So it was a really big issue, but then when you try it, it's not that big of a problem. So I'm, I'm also convinced that that is the way that you can really take a leap and change situations. But I also believe strongly in role models. So if you are a person working in an area where there are uh, less diverse, you know, generally in, in that situation, you should be willing to stand up on the stage and show that you are there. But we need to push everywhere. We need to make sure that there are role models and we need to make sure that we talk in our families about, you know, the choices that are there for, be it if we have sons or daughters. And then we need to continue throughout the school system. And the government needs to invest in that too and to make sure that there is uh, an opportunity for men in, you know, the primary school and women in, at the university. So to balance that. Actually, if you if you ask the VCs, the, the the female VCs and entrepreneurs, so what does it take? Then it actually ranges from, let's say, the situation at home to childcare to gender bias to well, role models. It's very broad, and for me, it's always confusing because I read a lot about this and I talk a lot about this. Um, and sometimes people say it's biology, it's nature of women. Mm -hmm. And then it's um, culture, uh, then it's nurture, um, then it's the, the, the social system, uh, and then it's a very practical. It's so complex that there's no silver bullet. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why we need to learn from each other so we don't make the same mistakes all the time. Anna, if you would end with one encouraging or inspiring word as to why more women should seek a career in tech, what would that be? One word. Curiosity. 
Nicole, what would you say? Be brave. That's two that's words. Two. That's okay. You can't keep. That's all right. Brave then. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Anna. Rewarding. Thomas. We need you. <laughs> that's three. Thanks Good so much people. to the panel. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the first episode of Swedish Brains, the podcast about Swedish personalities, priorities and values, brought to you by the Swedish Embassy in the Netherlands. This podcast is produced by Captains, digital media and creative production agency, with report and edits by Eliana Meyer. Thanks to all speakers at TechBridge Women in Tech, and thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode of Swedish Brains. What I would love to give other entrepreneurs, other women who don't know whether they want to be an entrepreneur themselves or not, what I would love to give them along the way is try to see everything as a game. Your personal life is not depending on it. Whether you will make it or not make it, doesn't matter. You lose, you actually fail by not trying in the first place.